The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. The one-two pitch, ball line to Yout, it's short, he throws, it's over! The Brewers have won the American League pennant! Milwaukee, you have a World Series! Hit in the air... Yount makes a great catch, and Juan Diemus has thrown the first no-hitter in Milwaukee Brewer history. Swings, and here it is! A base hit in the right center. He's done it. 3,000 for Robin. And there's a drive in the left field. This is hit well, and it's gone! Morgan a smash up the middle, base hit the center. Here comes Gomez around third. A throw and the Brewers win. The Brewers are moving on on a base hit by Nigel Morgan. Here it is. Yelich sends one to right center and deep. Get up, get up, get out of here and go for Yelich. You're cruising for a bruising with me, Andrew Snyder. I'm me, Adam McGee. As we talk all things Milwaukee Brewers, the Eurostep Podcast Network, and Blue Wire Podcast, we did it, everyone. We did it. We made it through 162 Major League Baseball games. And for that reason, me and Adam going through a whole season together without making the playoffs, which is unfortunate, but we've known this reality for a while in our hearts, even if in our minds we knew there was a realistic path to playoff contention for most of this stretch. Uh, but because of just the the stress and just the emotional heartache, we had to call up uh, a reliever to come in and provide some meaningful pitches on this podcast. Joining us, you know him from when in six. He's uh, a Eurostep Podcast Network favorite uh jordan tresky joining us from an undisclosed location jordan thanks for thanks for coming on thanks for having me and for um this i don't know funeral i guess send off of the 2022 milwaukee first they're not there they're just going to you know they're going out to the farm in the country yeah exactly we we will actively go and get them next april Yeah. yeah 
I've said it before. I'll say it again. At every occasion, I'll be ready for the funeral. Uh, but like you said, Adam, uh, there will be rebirth at some point for this team, for this franchise, for this fan base. Who knows? Uh, but glad to have you both here, Jordan. Thanks for thanks for for chiming in there. Glad to have you, Adam. How do you feel after year one as a full Brewers fan? You got the pr- playoff heartbreak experience last year, but. <laughs> This is a meaningful part of being a baseball fan is I watched this team for 162 games and now there's nothing because they came up short. It's part of it. And uh, you had, you know, you have, you had some bucks lean years uh, in the beginning as well, but this, this might be a whole new kind of a just feeling. Well, funnily enough, Jordan and I were talking about the books and the ups and downs of the books on yesterday's episode of win at six and Jordan made a, a comment that I could not let fly about some of the downs of the Mike Budenholzer years. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's the, the Brewers, you know, podcaster me now. It was just like, no, 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 no. <laughs> there have been no downs in the Mike Budenholzer era. Um, the downs were some of what we witnessed before. The downs, Jordan, were like... 2015 16 that's a down and that's kind of like this brewer season not quite there wasn't a big splashy signing to then disappoint us although maybe for mark atanasio there was he coach his greg monroe who could say um but yeah the funny thing is as you mentioned that i started watching this team in the playoffs against the braves last year got really into that painfully short-lived very disappointing very frustrating what i do for that kind of short-lived playoff frustration again um overall i've really enjoyed this season i don't mean that as in brewer's performance but as my first year watching the team regularly following along talking to people nobody more so than you andrew about baseball i've really enjoyed that but God, the Brewers have certainly put us through the ringer. Yeah, they have, and I agree. I would love nothing more to experience my first taste of uh, Brewers playoff baseball, but I'm I'm gonna have to to wait a little bit for that. Uh, before we transition to this series specifically, I want to ask a few questions to Jordan because he's got the. He's got the Milwaukee bona fides. He's through and through Milwaukee. And I think that's important to talk about this season with a little more context historically historically, and what it means for fans that have been on this ride their whole lives or at the very least in the Stearns era or in the council era. So 2018 uh, started a trend of the Milwaukee Brewers making the playoffs every season they won the central in 2018 uh made the wild card game in 2019 uh made the the fake playoffs in the 2020 season but you know still counts and then won the central last year obviously 95 and 67 so this this uh streak of playoff appearances was bookended by winning the nl central twice and now you finish 86 and 76 which is a fine record you're 10 games over 500 but not good enough to make the playoffs. And so, Jordan, I go to you. I just want to get a sense of how disappointing does this feel 
for a franchise that felt like it had steered into some sort of sustainable success where they were just going to be able to get bites of the apple every season. Um, and especially when you say that out loud and come up short, like, what does this mean in the larger scale of things? I think that's certainly one of the things that I've pondered since they basically just blew it in the Marlins series. It's like, oh, this feels very, this feels more definitive than something else, just because it brings up all these questions about like, what do you do with, you know, your, your young guns, Burns, Woodruff, your best players, what the hell is going to happen with Christian Yelich? You just going to ride this out? you're pretty pretty much forced to write it out it just feels like based on where they're at in the Stearns era and as you mentioned like the lock or not lockout the COVID year and just how fucking or part of it <laughs> just how crazy that year was and just like everything going on like I don't know there was obviously so much built in of like, this is the flukiest year. Do not read anything into it. But there are some things that obviously have remained like, yeah, let's just not be the same player anymore. Um, so you, it's, we've gone through that before, but this feels obviously a lot different in that their playoff streak has ended. They kind of feel like in a crossroads in a lot of ways with just, who's there it's it's a long i mean the fact that we it's been touted about like okay they've had stearns and council for a long time what is council's like the third longest tenured manager at this point in baseball there's just a lot of things that like when a season like this happens you obviously bring all these questions come to the forefront and it's like okay are they closer to a world series now compared to when Stearns came in or when those 2017 Brewers like just came out of nowhere and basically jump-started this era where the following year they make the big moves and then come up a game short of going to the World Series and losing to the Los Angeles Dodgers too. So like, I don't know. I, I would like to be optimistic about where they are because I think they, again, they there's this sense that they have to be competitive year after year after year. But you're also kind of recreating this chase so much that it can start to dwindle and maybe, I don't know. I, 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 I over the last week, it's hard to feel as optimistic about the Brewers just be, just because this year kind of just fell so awry after having what the best start of franchise history after 50 games. I imagine the uh, the eighty six and seventy six in two thousand seventeen felt a lot better than the eighty six and seventy. I was yeah, I was gonna say, <laughs> I was gonna say, I was about to look up that record and just see what it was. I was like, oh, that definitely felt a lot better. It's and representative missed- of of periods and eras and what each point in a franchise history means, and it's just not good enough anymore. Yeah. Yeah, well, which is... I, I was gonna ask about something that I've seen multiple mentions of in recent days was the Brewers collapse in 2017 um, to to miss out on the playoffs on that occasion. That is bringing us back to, I guess, 
just before the start of this era, which is supposed to be the playoff era of Brewers baseball. So it was sold to me as Jordan. I was brought here under false pretenses. Um, but <laughs> comparing those two, is it is it that this is just so much worse because of the expectations now? Or what are your memories of that in terms of putting in perspective what we saw in the second half of this season from this Brewers team? Um, It's certainly... This year feels a lot worse. Expectations. I mean, they, they even with how last year ended, they still won the division, and it was all. It was kind of already pegged that it was going to be either them or the Cardinals going into this year. Um, yeah, that burst too. I mean, again, it was kind of they were greater than the sum of their parts, based on all these guys that they kind of just picked up over the course of the first couple of years of Stern's era or Stern's tenure and then going into that year. And they, they just enjoy the biggest boom of Travis Shaw and Eric Thames. Um, even some of their pitchers, I'm uh, misremembering right now that like, just, it was before Woodruff and obviously Burns. I don't think maybe Hayter was called up at some point that year too. So that kind of, he was like the first of, of the, the guys that they recruit in their kind of tear down a couple years before that, that started coming up in that year. So it, yeah, there's so much feel good of like, no one expected anything. And then you fall short with, you know, the final series. I think it was the second game of that final series or second to last game in the final series that they officially got bounced out of the playoff race. So like, there's a lot of things that mirror where the, the Brewers are now, but it's a totally different that <laughs> you don't have the fallback of like, Oh, we, no one expected us to be here. And then now it's like, no one expected us to be here. That kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. So yeah, I, it's even like 2014. It reminds me of that, of like, they had Braun was back from his suspension. That was probably Luke Croy's best year as a brewer trying to think who else would have been like really good that year. Carlos Gomez for sure. Um, but yeah, they, again, they just crumbled down the stretch second half. I remember the, they, again, it was like their offense just like could not do anything. Um, and the, yeah, in September of that year, they're nine and 17. So, and I think they were in position for first, like right before that. So that was that was another heartbreaking class that like that's what it feels like more to me of like that was like on the verge of things changing. Renicky gets fired at the start of the year, the following year, but you could arguably say that the, why did they bring him back kind of thing. But yeah, I it's that's what puts everything into perspective of like where the Brewers are at and just like the overall feelings of of just how things, how, how far they're down this rabbit hole of like, how do we get out of here? Yeah. Now this off season is really important in defining what the next, I guess, at least half decade of Brewers base baseball will look like, because you're counting on a lot of these and we'll get into this at a later date. I promise we're going to talk about one more series recap for the road, but there's a lot of young players that, you're talking yourself into being contributors right away. Maybe there are moves to be made to fill some holes in the roster, but you know, they're not going to get Aaron judge 
they're not going to get Trey Turner, Carlos Correa, someone like that. They're going to fill in around the edges, and they're going to count on uh, internal improvement from some of the guys already on the roster and some of these young guys, like, stepping up immediately. So we've got an interesting offseason ahead. Um, yeah, this last series against the Arizona Diamondbacks really had everything, really encapsulated the Brewers' season in a nutshell. It had a Manfred Ball win. It had a shutout win with not a lot of runs scored. And it had a blown save. So it really had it all. Uh, game one against the Diamondbacks. So going into this game, there was still hope for the Brewers. They would need a sweep, and they would need the uh, Philadelphia Phillies to be swept by the Houston Astros. Uh, by the end of this game, uh, the hope would, would be all gone, despite the the exciting win. But Brandon Woodruff on the mound against uh, I apparently uh, Cy Young contender Tommy Henry. Uh, oh, wait, no, he's got a 5-3-6 ERA. My bad. Um, Woodruff did his job. Six innings pitched, two hits, two runs, one walk, seven strikeouts into his season with a 3-0-5 ERA and was the Brewers' most reliable starting pitcher through the second half of the season. If he had not had some uh, poor performances to start the year and some injury bad luck in the middle of the season, uh, could have been saying that Woodruff was – closer to that scion contention than he actually ended up we'll look to see if that happens next year uh brewers got the scoring started in the second with a christian yelich homer to left field makes it one nothing uh then in the third former brewer farmhand cooper hummel homers to make it one one uh sergio alcantara in the fifth sack fly scores corbin carroll to make it two one and then in the seventh uh off of hobie milner Alcantara homers to make it 4-1. So it looked like the Brewers were going to play themselves out of contention early in uh, or in the middle of this game. Instead, they would fight and they would come back in the ninth. Hunter Renfro homers to make it 4-2. Uh, Christian Yelich uh, and Colton Wong score on an error by Christian Walker that would leave Victor Caratini safe at first and the score tied at 4-4. That would take us to Manfred Ball. Uh, Brewers got in the midst of that, got a scoreless inning from Taylor Rogers with three strikeouts, which is a, a rare feat these days as, you know, every other start, it seems like he has to allow at least three runs on a home run, but it was not on this day. In the 10th, uh, Dalton Varsho singles to score the Manfred man, Cooper Hummel. Brewers answer in the 10th with a Willie Adamas single to score Jace Peterson. And then Hunter Renfro wins the game with a walk-off single to left. 6-5 win. One more Manfred Ball win before we head out for the rest of the season. Woody was good. Uh, Taylor Rogers, Brent Suter, and Brad Boxberger were good. Uh, and the Brewers get an exciting win. But the Phillies uh, would complete a win of their own that same night to make it all for naught. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Christian Yalich was also good to obviously note there. Uh, he seems to, just a little too late in the season, have mastered the landing the ball perfectly on top of the wall for home run trick. Um, out left field, that's two in very quick succession. <laughs> Maybe that wasn't there all season. Um, uh, the thing with this game is, it was one last reminder that in spite of just how frustrating this team is, they make themselves as players really easy to root for. Because as much as we all were very aware of the score in the Phillies-Astros game, there's no knowing for sure just how locked into that the Brewers were. And the fight that we have seen from them at lots of points this season, particularly in a close game. I think in zooming out a lot of the frustration, you'd be like, well, where's the fight down the stretch in a lot of these games where there's no offense and they just kind of limply go out to a 2 nothing, 3 nothing loss. Um, I don't think what this team could be accused of, though, is not showing resilience in close games. Maybe that's just because they get so much practice, but they do have an ability to fight back, to fight true and keep on pushing. doesn't mean it's always going to go their way. Um, but this is a great example of a game that is just, it's over and your season is over and you don't have to go and eke out a win here, but through the ninth, um, starting with Hunter Renfro's home run um, and then with a success succession of base runners um, and then with Renfro walking it off in the 10th, you see the kind of the heart, the fight of this team that makes these guys individually easy to root for. Uh, ultimately, they're just not good enough, but they are a team that, I mean, I think that's that's part of it. Maybe that's also part of why it's so disappointing that they're not getting to go to the playoffs because kind of to a man, very, very likable group. Jordan, anything to add on game one? Um, I would just say, I mean, it's the poetic justice of, celebrating the win and then what was it 20 minutes later <laughs> not even 
Not, not even. yet. Not even the Phillies lock it up against uh, the Astros. The we're not gonna rest anybody. Astros. Not that that was a big deal to begin with, but yeah, I think they got no hit through like six or seven <laughs> innings in that game by Aaron Nola. So even the two at bats that the regulars got for the Astros, they were <laughs> they, they no. were not. Uh, they, they were, were not locked in, or at the very least, Aaron was uh, befuddling them, which is something he could do when he's locked in. So, you know, no shade there. Um, I mean, the Astros just waited till the next day to start looking like the Astros, which was, I don't know, it was a fortunate, it was it a mercy killing? Who could say? But we would have liked three yeah. of those and then see, but then, my God, my prediction would have come true. If the Astros win game one, what I predicted on the last part of the Brewers hey. being right there and then just crumbling in the ninth, that was our combined prediction, I think. So, yeah, you good. and I were a whisker away from both being correct. <laughs> uh, yeah, that would have been that would have been a lot worse if the night dating last night had actually cast the Brewers a playoff spot. So, you know, thanks Astros for just losing game one. Game two, I, I believe, Jordan, is this when you were in the building? Uh, at I was Fam? in the building. I was one of uh, 18 people that were there. <laughs> Come on, Andrew, just look at that scoreline and you can tell Jordan Tresky was in the building. <laughs> yeah, the, the win is a Tresky special. Uh, a one-hit effort for the Arizona Diamondbacks, a Tresky special, special bringing the good luck to, to the Milwaukee Brewers. Adams guy Zach Gowan on the mound against Eric Lauer in this one and Eric Lauer despite having some uh command issues a bit with uh with the walks a really good outing six innings pitch no hits no runs the four walks but seven strikeouts 96 pitches through six innings and his season with a 369 ERA and a great effort Brewers get the scoring started off of Gowan in the second Garrett Mitchell homer to right field makes it one nothing in the third, Luis Arias homers to make it 2-0. In the fifth, Luis Arias doubles to make it 3-0, all coming off of Zach Gallon, who finishes his stellar season with five innings pitch, five hits, three runs, all of them earned three walks, six strikeouts to two homers, really damaging his day. 2-5-4 ERA on the season for Gallon Probably will not be enough to chase down Sandy Alcantara for the National League Cy Young, but a great season for Gallon and uh, – Adams, Arizona Diamondbacks. One hit for the Diamondbacks. Uh, 0 for 5 with runners in scoring position. Six runners left on base. The Brewers were 0 for 10 with runners in scoring position with eight left on base. Uh, eight hits in the game for them. They were getting guys on base. Just could not get them in consistently. But they did get a couple of solo homers and the Arias double for the 3 nothing win. Jake Cousins goes two scoreless with a hit and a walk. Three strikeouts. Ends his season with a 2-7-0 ERA. Very, very interesting guy that we'll talk about for next season. Obviously started the season with his control and command issues, then gets hurt, uh, comes back, does very well, gets sent down again for <sighs> options reasons, and then called back up to finish the season strong. Cousins uh, expected to be a guy that will factor into the 2023 bullpen and uh, close to the season strong. Also, one more inning from Peter Strezlecki. In, on the season to finish his year with a 2.83 ERA, um, good good outing from the Brewers pitchers as a whole. Lauer, Cousins, Strzelecki combined to only allow that one hit, and uh, Cousins was the one that allow, allowed the hit and no runs. So great outing from the arms, and uh, Jordan Tresky was there to see it live. 
a sh- shout out to Peter Strzelecki for a first career save. And that is a Pistol nice Pete. way. To... Pistol Pete. <laughs> Uh, that's a nice way to finish out a very impressive season for him and someone who should have a more prominent role next year like absolutely has earned it one of the more consistent bullpen pitchers if not actually by the end of it outside of Devin the most consistent Um, so good to see him continue to rise in prominence but also to get a a nice reward um, at the end of the season with his first save over to you Jordan though the eyes inside AmFam yeah, um, it was it was grim. <laughs> I was offered uh, tickets behind the bur. I was there for a company work thing. My other side of my life was why I was there. Um, but I was offered tickets behind the Brewers dugout um, before the game. I was like, "Oh, this is how this is how you know that uh, the team is out of the playoff race." You're offered tickets by the Brewers dugout. Um, I did not take up that person's offer. Wow. Yeah. Not well, even Jordan Tresky wants to be behind the Brewers dugout. I would do it, but there was also free food and free drink that I can't pass up. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was very the, the game. The game was great itself. It was just it's a mid. I don't think I've ever seen that stadium that empty. It was it was rough. It felt like I don't even know how to compare. Like you can't even compare it to like the occasional spring training preseason game that they'll have like after they're in Arizona. Like they occasionally do that, but like yeah, it was it was it was bare. It was very bare at the Amfam, um, former Miller Park. But they obviously, I choose to think that that was the last game of the season because it was this triumph. Like, hey, the kids are doing it. Garrett Mitchell is going to be this amazing player, hopefully. Um, Pistol Pete. Every, everything worked out in their favor. And without Jordan in the building, the Brewers would have to play one more <laughs> baseball game. And it would have felt wrong to not have at least one more blown lead and blown save on the season, but that's what we were in for. But before that, Corbin Burns ended ended his season. Three innings pitch, no hits, no runs, no walks, five strikeouts to finish this season with a 2.94 ERA. Corbin uh did not have the elite season in terms of uh ERA and run prevention that he did in his Cy Young winning season of 2021, but he still had a great season and shows that at his best He's one of the best pitchers in baseball. Goes over the the 200-inning threshold, I believe, for the first time in his career. Um, one of the things first that he said going Brewer in, since Giovanni Gallardo, I believe. Yeah. Uh, that was one of his, I guess, areas of emphasis this year is to provide more bulk innings for the team. And he did that. And I guess the next step in career progression for – Corbin going into age 28 season is sustaining that um, Cy Young level. Um, Cy Young level. I guess I had the f- full phrase the first yeah, time you, I said it. Over, it. over the over the course of the additional uh, 30 plus odd innings, which is how much he increased his total to uh, this year. So good finish to the season for Corbin. Uh, obviously, with this game meaning nothing, not wanting to stretch him out too much and, and risk just a random injury as can happen in baseball. Uh, the one run 
or the one run allowed early in the game was off of Aaron Ashby, who replaced Corbin. He went three innings, five hits, one run. It was earned two strikeouts, so scattering a lot of base runners and only allowing the one run for Ashby. Uh, it was a Christian Walker in the fourth. Uh, Tyrone Taylor's ground out in the fifth makes it 1-1. And then our guy, uh, who, you know, has had, he's had his struggles of late, but overall a, a big season with uh, the power and his team leading 35th home run in the eighth makes it 2-1, to one, that being Rowdy Telez. Uh, then in the night with uh, Trevor Gott on the mound, trying to close things down and finish off the season with a three-game sweep of the Arizona Diamondbacks, obviously, as we've talked about on the last episode, the sweeps are rare. I went in predicting it. Uh, it still would have not followed the same uh, heartbreaking order of operations that I was expecting because of that Phillies game one win. But I was so close to my three out of three for the Brewers, two out of three for the the Astros, but it was not to be uh, in that ninth inning uh, with a precarious 2-1 lead. Uh, Josh Rojas comes to the plate and slugs a home run, a two-run home run to make it three to two. Corbin Carroll, uh, one of the hottest prospects in baseball, and now is a fully-fledged MLB player, figures to be a guy that a lot of people will pick to break out and reach that all-star caliber next year. Adds a solo homer of his own to make it three to two. Nothing doing for the Brewers in the bottom half of the ninth. Brewers in the season 4-2 uh, with a blown save. I think Adam McAlvey said uh, the Brewers led baseball uh, since August started with uh, 16 blown saves in the, in this, we'll call it, post-trade deadline part of the season. Uh, obviously, there are three things that are like the big highlights of what went wrong with this Brewers season. Offense wasn't quite good enough starting pitching had injury issues bullpen became a disaster that's pretty much it we'll get into that at a uh a different time period but this series showed a lot of the good that the brewers have like you said the likable players the resilience in the close games and it also showed a lot of the bad uh finishing off the season on a sour note but the players seem optimistic for next year they're players that's what they're gonna do (laughs) but we we're just left with a lot of uncertainty and Hope in our hearts, but 162 down, 86 and 76 record, missing the playoffs by one game, really two games. Uh, if they uh, had, you know, won a tiebreaker against the Phillies, uh, that they ended up losing because of a Josh Hader blown save uh, early in the season, uh, things could have been different. We could have had more hope going into that final day, into that final series. Alas, it was not to be. Let's go back to Corbin Burns for a second, just to bring some good stuff back. Uh, didn't miss a start all season, so that is obviously key to him getting those 200 innings. Um, and finished the year as the National League strikeout leader, 243, which is six more than next closest, uh, Carlos Rodon. Um, other positives, I mean, that homer for Rowdy, as if it wasn't already beyond doubt that he was going to be the Brewers' home run leader, Finishes the season tied with Paul Goldschmidt for fifth in the National League in terms of home runs, which I don't know if there's a whole lot more that you could ask of Rowdy Telez than that. Um, he definitely did drop off late in the season. I wonder, will we learn some more on that, Andrew? You have long kind of speculated, and I do think you're right in terms of even tracking time-wise. 
Um, that dash to home plate he had probably a month ago, six weeks ago now, where it seemed like he hurt his knee and he ran straight out of the game. Um, hasn't quite looked as comfortable since then. Whether we hear something now that the season is over remains to be seen. But yeah, that's also worth noting with a homer for him, fifth in the National League and cracking the top 10 in MLB overall, along with Paul Goldschmidt tied for eight in all of baseball with Mookie Betts for home runs. So really, really great company Rowdy's keeping there. And honestly, not far away from the real upper echelons, obviously excluding Aaron Judge, who's in a world of his own this season. Um, do you think, um, not to cut you off, but no, of do you think, does it have any effects like in basketball where a guy gets an elevated role, is playing more than ever, play more minutes and all that stuff? This is Rowdy's he, most at-bats or played appearances ever in his career. He had 599. Mm-hmm. His second highest number, or the second highest number now, is four oh nine. Like, does that have an effect of like why maybe he trailed off as sharply as he did, or just I think it absolutely does. Definitely, um, just I mean, this baseball is a war of attrition to a degree, and yeah, that's attrition with the arms in your lineup and also your own body, like how it breaks down. Like, who knows if my speculation is correct, but then. To your point, uh, Jordan, it's just like to go from the previous total last year, would you say three 325 plate appearances to go all the way up to 599? Yeah, that's a big jump. A crew, a crew wear and tear. And also, I mean, this is psychological and speculation, but guys like Rowdy and Willie and Renfro kind of had the knowledge every game that their run for us to be them that yeah exactly so there he uh, can't, for rowdy for rowdy on that here every time rowdy came to the plate in a close game the crowd are chanting his name and not just because he's a fan favorite but because the crowd knows the run rowdy you have to you know get this run home or hit a home run here like that is a crazy level of expectation for a guy who was not an everyday starter <laughs> In the league up mm-hmm. until arriving with the Brewers, so there is definitely something there. Yeah, only Yelich and Adamas had more plate appearances than Rowdy this year. Um, Andrew and I have griped a lot about the times Rowdy hasn't played this season, but what can't be overlooked is there is a long stretch in the middle of the year, bridging from when the Brewers were at their best to them when the Brewers really turned south. And Rowdy was right there as the best thing about them throughout all of that. And Craig realized I cannot give Rowdy Slez days off. So it, it was really down the stretch. We started to see him less again. There were some more days off, which <laughs> honestly he'd earned. I don't know if that's the best way to get the Brewers into the playoffs, but I I find it tough. I find it tough to be critical because you look at who he was, even when the Brewers acquired him to what they're getting out of him now. It's like you can't ask more from that guy. And if you're getting that much from him and you're still not making the playoffs, there's like major failings elsewhere in your roster construction. Cause that should be the kind of bonus. Like the thing that if you're getting that for your offense, well, all of a sudden everything is ticking, but something like that in reality, I guess it comes back to what you're not getting from someone like Christian Yelich because if Christian Yelich is Christian Yelich 
And then you've got someone like Rowdy Telez with 35 homers and 89 RBI. Well, then there's no way this team is, is missing the postseason. Yeah, and I don't want to talk about, about this now because you've given us a perfect transition point to the Mass Brewer leaderboard, but uh, the conversation in the offseason about Rowdy and where he fits in is going to be interesting um, because I just have no sense of where this front office's head is on any player on the roster. Uh, Rowdy, one thing he did do was secure the Brewers' home run lead. Or, you know, he was at the top of the list. Consolidate. So you don't call it a lead. Yeah. yeah, it's not a lead anymore. But he also secured his Master Brewer leaderboard victory as well. Uh, making the leaderboard one last time this season, Brandon Woodruff, six innings pitch, a walk, two hits, two runs, seven strikeouts. Eric Lauer, six innings pitch, four walks, no hits, no runs, seven strikeouts. Jake Cousins, great two-inning bullpen performance, one walk, one hit, no runs, two strikeouts. Hunter Renfro, two for nine with a homer run, two RBI. Um, that big ninth inning homer and that walk-off single in game one. Luis Arias, four for ten, one homer, one run, two RBI. Garrett Mitchell, three for seven, one walk, one home run, one run scored, one RBI. Another guy that we'll talk about. Uh, in more detail in a kind of an off-season recap podcast. But Garrett Mitchell, um, 61 at-bats, finishes his first part of his Major League Baseball career with a 311 average, 373 OBP, 459 slug, so an 832 uh, OPS. And with his speed, his ability to track down balls in the outfield, uh, just – I think we were always excited about him during this stretch of his play, even during a point where he wasn't a- actually producing that well in terms of meaningful, consistent production. But he seemed to figure something out a little bit towards the end of the season. Obviously, he's going to make his speed play for him. So I think he's a guy that can help his average and his on base percentage by sprinkling in a few infield singles that most guys couldn't beat out. So he's going to have that playing for him. And what he turns into as a full-time player is fascinating because, because he has these uh, impressive numbers, but he also had a 41% strikeout rate and an, just an 8% walk rate. So that doesn't bode well across uh, 68 plate appearances, but it's all, all, all the bad numbers and all the good numbers. You have to just say we have the smallest sample size possible. He's coming yeah. in next year with, with a, full spring training with the big league club, knowing he's competing for a job and an iron sharpens iron situation with a loaded outfield prospect uh, situation where you have three or four guys competing for potentially all three spots, depending on if Christian Yelich slides to that DH role more full time. Um, and with the way his defense looked towards the end of the season, that might be a reality sooner rather than later. Just a fascinating situation with Mitchell and the rest of the outfield. He's got a head start, and I wouldn't want to give Garrett Mitchell a head start. It's really what we've learned over the past few weeks. And to that point, too, we've talked so much about how fast he is, how handsome he is, too, of course, but how fast he is. <laughs> he, knows, he knows how to utilize that speed, which just is not something that every player can do. Like, you have guys who are fast who won't put it to work, particularly defensively, in the way, for example, that we saw him with his big catch in the final game of the season, 
where there is probably no other player on this roster who's getting to that ball and making that catch. And they'll do lose that game, but at the time he makes that catch, it looks like they're going to win because he's able to do that. So between that and then his ability, whenever he gets on base, it's just, he's gone. Like, in the blink of an eye, he can be on third. That is something that instantly makes him different to what we've had before. I know there is another prospect who could fit that bill, although the Brewers clearly didn't feel it was the best option out of the two for this year. So that's saying something as well. Um, but very, very intrigued to see where things go with Garrett Mitchell. And like, as things stand, if we've kind of got status quo there going into next season, I would not be starting anyone else over him on opening day at center field. I think the, the only guy without a spring training of competition that you can really make a case for is Freelich. Um, but I answer that with, why not both? Uh, <laughs> one in one, one in a corner, one in center field, and let's let's let the let's let the rookies play. Uh, I want to up, finish updating the leaderboard, but then uh, I've seen some quotes come across from the morning uh, talk radio uh, circuit, and I want to ask oh, you guys about no. them because. No, well, no, it's just it's, it's some candor that I kind of appreciate. Um, so leaderboard through 162 games, Rowdy Telez wins it with 23, Corbin Burns at 20, Christian Yelich 19, Willie Adam with 17, Brandon Woodruff 16, Andrew McCutcheon with 13, Hunter Renfro with 12, Luis Arias, Eric Lauer, Devin Williams, Colton Wong with 11, Tyron Taylor and Jace Peterson with 10, Hobie Milner, Keston Hira, and Josh Hader with seven. Freddie Peralta with six, Brad Boxberger, Victor Caratini, Peter Strzelecki, Aaron Ashby with five. The aforementioned Garrett Mitchell with four. Also, Matt Bush, Jason Alexander, Trevor Gott, Brent Suter have four. I just wanted to give Mitchell his own platform. Uh, Adrian Hauser, Taylor Rogers, Jonathan Davis at three. Jake Cousins, Luis Perdomo, Omar Navais at two. Mike Barrasso, Yannick Gustave, Luke Barker finished with one. Uh, we'll have an episode here in the next we week will. or so, probably where we deep dive on the the master brewer leaderboard our process some of the flaws within the process and you know setting the stage for what could be a revamping or just like a uh, tweaking you know, I, I i don't yeah. think major changes are needed maybe the people Not tell revamping, us otherwise though. but so we will we'll go through and maybe we'll use that as a jumping off point um for some of the things we'll talk about with guys who are on the roster and may continue to be on the roster into the off season we'll analyze who we feel maybe got too many who didn't get enough beers over the course of the season and ways we can tweak that uh, if you've got any thoughts, Uppers GSPN, get at us on Twitter or if you're in the Discord, in the cruising channel, go in there and cruising, that is cruising for bruising, not cruising the Al Pacino movie. Um, yes. No, it is. That channel has not been started yet, but who knows? There's plenty of time. Uh, get get in there and you can tell us what your thoughts are. We'll do that. And, you know, we might we might take a mailbag onto that too. So watch out for that. Um Speaking of mailbag, I'll have some stuff I'll go through in a second. I'm just going to say that now so I don't forget. But Andrew, whatever whatever the pressing quotes you want to bring to the table here are, you can you can let rip now. So obviously I don't get much local radio, so uh, I've never listened to this show before. But Brian D., who is a uh, radio host at 620 WTMJ, uh, said he asked Stearns, on the show this morning, if he'd want a do-over with the Josh Hader trade. Stearns responds, it had an impact on our team. There's no question about it. Probably a larger impact than I was anticipating when we made the trade. I should have done a better job to help us get through that. 
some pretty good self-reflection there about, uh, I'm guessing, the communication that did or did not happen during that process. Uh, we're all trying to find the guy that did this. Um, when asked about his and Craig Council's future in Milwaukee, will he or Craig be elsewhere in 2023? Stern says, I probably wouldn't expect it. So probably not exactly okay. not exactly a forceful we'll be back in 2023, but uh, just some notable thoughts that David Stern's had. Uh, I'll turn it over to you guys. I've talked enough today. The first quote really pisses me off. <laughs> it really pisses me off because Eric Lauer went nuclear at the time. He went public on the fact that they're all yeah. just standing around being like, no one is telling us about this. We're not being communicated. Certain guys were spoken to, but the whole team was not addressed about this. That was like two to three days after it. And it's like, he did, I remember Stern's doing additional media availability and there was kind of follow-ups on that and they wanted to clarify things. It's like, you had your own players saying that's what needed to happen at the time. So no point reflecting on it after they just collapsed following that trade and you've missed the playoffs. Like people were telling you at the time, you need to come and talk to us and explain this. Because we said it then, and Lauer was an obvious example of someone who <laughs> could be very much feeling like, well, if I wasn't kind of completely expendable here before this, this shows I really am. Like, what way they're going to just kind of pick apart pieces and turn guys over to get more bites at the apple. That that was a real eye-opener that I think has a knock-on effect. I don't think it's unrelated some of Corbin Burns' recent comments about him being very surprised that extension talks have not been opened to this point. Like, so all of that is obvious. Like, you're dealing with people, not machines. Go treat them like people in the moment, and maybe this doesn't happen. And one other thing, which obviously garnered a bit of attention and became something of a joke thing in recent days, but really... I don't know. It lit something off in my brain that I'm really concerned about. Some of the basic organizational stuff was um, Brandon Woodruff talking about like the table tennis or ping pong table that they've got and how great that's been. Did they not have anything in the clubhouse for these guys to bond? Have they all just been sitting around like looking at each other all season long, it's, being like, it's "Oh, probably... it'd be really great if we could kill some time." I uh, things like that do. I, I'm sure that's not the case, and that is a he was just putting something out there that clearly he's had some fun with and has felt that it's kept the mood, but it is something that just adds to a feeling where you're like, are they really not being like managed? And I don't mean that in necessarily a Craig council way, although it's fully within his power to, to work on those elements too, whether it's from ownership, whether it's from the front office, like we know communication wasn't where it needed to be at one point this season. Are they also just not being catered for as a group? Is the work not being put in to give them everything as a group to be as close as they can be, to perform to the best that they can be? All of that kind of stuff. They're, they're question marks I would not, I would really like not to have about a team that we know doesn't spend a whole lot of money and that isn't going to change. Like the minimum you can then do is make sure, okay, the guys we do have here, we're going to invest all we can in them and put them in the best place to succeed. Well, it reminded me of the scene in Moneyball where David Justice has to pay for soda in the clubhouse. I'm, he likes to keep the money on the field, uh, Adam. That's what it is. Yeah. How's, I mean, how's that worked out for the A's over all those years? What, what have they got to show for that? Uh, nothing, because, yeah. but because all of the uh, because all of the other teams all, said, all, this is a great idea. Let's give guys soda yeah. and win World Series. <laughs> 
as, as you saw, uh, really gregarious fake John Henry even tried to to bring him into Boston before before they went on there. Not quite dynastic, but pretty damn good run. Uh, some additional quotes from guys before we before we get out of here from Rowdy. Pressure is a privilege for a team that came through with our bull with a bullseye with our bullseye on our back. Um, I don't know if that was misquoted or if that's just what he said. You know, sometimes I have verbal typos as well, so I get it. Uh, we let ourselves down, but we'll be back next year. There's always the year after, and I think in the long run, we're going to have a really good team. Um, so that came off the heels of uh, a longer quote. You can see these in the, uh, the Milwaukee Journal. Sentinel, Craig Council says, with higher expectations comes a bigger chance of disappointment. That's the way we want it. We got to live with that. That's the deal. We won 86 games. That's a pretty good no, number. No, but this no, year it wasn't bullshit. good enough. I, okay, bullshit. this is, this this is, is the quote. If you've got higher expectations, the disappointment is then when you go out in a wild card game. It's not when you don't even make it to a wild card game. Like yeah. that is infuriating. That is such a ridiculous quote. I wasn't supposed to be angry on this episode, and Andrew's brought these quotes in, and he's done it. But I'm sorry, listen, you can't talk about I'm, higher listen, expectations. My and job then you is hit a lower bar with your performance. <laughs> that is not like don't wipe your hands of that. Higher expectations, and you failed worse than you failed in years. That's the reality of it. Like just talking absolute crap. That's go on, Andrew. Keep going. Just keep going. What have we got? I'm, I'm looking for more. This feels like a really shoot the messenger situation. Um. Uh, <laughs> Nothing else that's incendiary that will light a fire uh, under you. Just some some numbers. Uh, so finished tenth in Major League Baseball and run scored eleventh in WRC plus, which is obviously uh, weighted for the run scoring environment. It's their best They're offense in, in years. I was, I was but over, overall, 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 they scored. I think fewer runs than they scored last year. So in terms of comparison to good Brewers teams, uh, worse, but in comparison to uh, the run scoring environment, it was middle of the road pitching seventh best ERA in baseball. That being said, the late game blowups post Josh Hader trade uh, make that number uh, a little less meaningful to me because of when the runs were being allowed and the tight margins within the season uh sorry i'm buying myself time to scan for more quotes and that was really all i saw uh we're gonna have david stern's uh season ending press conference i believe next tuesday so we'll probably mm. next time we come to you might be after that so we can have some more quotes to react is to. there uh, is there anything from mark coming up well he'll have to do uh, some availability i'm sure why wasn't he on the he, radio? He was one morning? of the 18 people in the ballpark with you this week. So Yeah, he was. I hope he I hope he took a good look around and paid attention and knows that, you know, if you're so preoccupied with making sure you're going to keep this thing ticking over and it's going to make you the money you need to make every year, you might want to make the playoffs. You might want to have a good baseball team. So if you want to rely on that income and you want to get the extra revenue that the playoffs can bring you and a deep playoff room can bring you, you're going to have to spend some more money. This is the reality of it. Even uh, like the, the part of this that is, I can't believe I was so calm for all this episode. I thought I was done with this. Um, the part of this that is, that annoys me 
what I've come to terms with is I do accept like yeah they're they're probably just going to do very little this off season. Not going to do very much. Not going to be exciting new signings. The money isn't there for that. They're probably not going to try to get creative enough to do something like that. So that's not really what it's going to be about. There'll probably be a couple of mid tier additions, guys that maybe they feel like they can get something extra out of that we'll talk ourselves into and we'll be like, yeah, there could be something there. Like all of that will happen. The frustration is when you're not bringing in clear upgrades to the team and then where are you at on extensions for the best players you've got? Where are you at with Corbin Burns and Brendan Woodruff? And we all know the path that that is likely going down um, in that one of those guys is going to probably stay and the other is going to leave. I think that has been the consensus for quite some time. But it's like, if you can't keep your own guys and you can't bring in new guys, what is the, what are we doing here? What is the point? And then you've got a manager giving out quotes like that. That's honestly, that is just not good enough. Like, you've got to face up to it in a better way. You've got to be honest. You can't feed, treat fans like they're stupid. Or guess what? They won't show up. They'll just be like, I'm not going to watch this team in meaningless games when the organization has just shown complete disdain for me with their $6 vouchers. Like you got to get it together. You got to front up and actually speak to people in a way that is serious and open. I, I, I understand why generally this is not just a brewer's thing across sports. Why there's always this decision made, you know, let's protect things. You know, let's, we got to be mindful of the optics. It doesn't work. People are not so stupid to just eat up everything that you serve to them. If you speak to people, honestly, and be like, yeah, this is a really disappointing season. Like, we, we messed up. The trade didn't work out. Like, not just, oh, well, we could have we could have maybe spoken to the players at the time. Yeah, of course you could have. Like, they are your players. It's, it's not the guy you traded that you need to worry about at that point. It's the guys who are left behind. You've got to make sure everyone knows why it's happening, what your goals still are, and pull in the same direction. And just on the whole, that kind of wishy-washy stuff, it's like... That is perfectly in line with a mediocre organization, a mediocre team who misses the playoffs, maybe will scrape in next year. And overall, is not going anywhere. And whether it's in this next generation, which it may not be because Jackson Churio is coming and we all hope he's going to be the savior. But at some point, it's going to run out. The look is going to run out. Your own system is not going to deliver. The depths of the Brewers farm system are not there right now. They're just fortunate enough that there are a few guys who could set them on a good path. One way or another, though, it's going to come to an end and you won't just be able to tread water and maybe make playoffs or at least give yourself a run in where you're in the hunt anymore. And like, is that what we're doing? Is it just organizationally they're going to ride that out until that day comes and Adonazio sells the team because he can't stomach that? That's what it feels like. Well, we've been told directly that's what they're doing as well, which doesn't help. Bites at the apple is a real thing. I, but um, I know, but yeah. bites at the apple. But you, what happens when you've taken your last bite of the apple? Like no, no one within the organization has a willingness to consider a rebuild, where a quick rebuild, you know, not a full teardown, but this is an opportunity right now. It's like if you want to be aggressive with it, the thing that I am doubtful of, and you and I talked privately about this last night, Andrew, is that that they do just turn it over to all the prospects next season and take the lumps that may come with that and be like, you know what? It's worth it because the following season we're ahead of schedule with those guys and we're giving ourselves a chance to be really good. I, I don't see the team 
being willing to do that because that will risk, you know, empty seats like we saw the last week from way out from like the beginning of September or August. And that is not something that Mark Adonazio is going to have a stomach for. So that's that's the part of it where it's like, at what point are you just willing to be like, we've got to we've got to take a step back to take two steps forward, because if you're viewing this season as that, that's wrong because you're going to bring the same product back, if not a worse product next year. And it's not going to take two steps forward. Sorry, I'm going to I'm going to step off my soapbox for a while. Well, and we'll get into this in future weeks, but the they're talking themselves into one of two outcomes, I think. It's the let's kind of cut down on some of the aging players, not bring back guys. Obviously, McCutcheon's not coming back. Colton Wong's got the the $2 million buyout on the $10 million option that uh, guys like Kurt Hogue on the uh, um, his podcast with, with J.R. Radcliffe um, seems to think that that's almost uh, not like reporting this, but just assumption that he's gone. Uh, you could trade a guy like Hunter Renfro. There's speculation, like you said, about Burns versus Woodruff. So there, there's the two situations they're weighing is, ah, let's run it back and see if, if, see if we can bob for apples and come out with an apple this time. Or you go full. I'm so tired of apples, Andrew. I'm so tired. Yeah, I don't need another I, I, apple. There's a lot of apple I, metaphors I'm learning. I thought I thought of a new one as a fresh take on it, so I was I had to do it. Uh, or it's yeah, Mitchell Freelich Weimer's our outfield. Estee Ruiz is our fourth outfielder. Yelich is DHing. We're playing by Bryce Terang at second. Those are the two like scenarios. I feel like it's either going to be. I was going to say. I mean, they. There is confidence, and I mean, they've showed with where their farm system is at, and particularly with the sounds going as far as they did. Like, they have immediate improvements. It's it's just a matter of of the two tracks of the current day present brewers and the future brewers, and how does that meet together if it if it does? I also uh, like I struggle to when we talk about those upgrades that do exist there that you can call up for the sounds and some of those guys have been with the sounds longer than others. So I I do think there seems to be a level of caution with, within the organization that I will be surprised if we see anything like all of those guys up on the Brewers roster to start on opening day. I, I yeah, think you're going to see gonna... it, it could be midway point of the season. It could even be later. But we talk about those guys who are all real prospects who could be MLB players. If you empty those guys out of your farm system, it is beyond grim what's left. Like, it is really, really beyond grim. And there is no guarantee that those guys who look good with the sounds or who looked good with the shookers, all of a sudden they find themselves going up against, I don't know, Zach Gallon, like we had in this series, and all the sudden they can't hit anything and then you're looking down your farm system and it's like oh we've got nothing left we're literally now waiting for Churio maybe he ends up called up early because you've nothing else like that is the thing there is there are positives there but the depth is not there and all of a sudden all of those good prospects one they're all outfielders and two they're all one step away where if they did just completely turn it over and if those guys or even half of them don't work, things get unbelievably grim in a hurry. 
And that's part of the reason why I just don't see them taking risks like that. Like, I would prefer them to do it. Let's see. And maybe it works out. And if you do it, you've got to commit to that. You've got to give those guys a season and into a second season and be like, have they got it? Can they be players at this level? But I, think, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't think they'll do it. I don't think they're brave. What is, if I could take over the pod for a second, if yeah, there is sure. one position or area of need that you want them to address immediately this offseason, what is it? it the, third base. I want, yes, third, it is, it's it is third, third base, base right? but that is also dependent on what way they're viewing their outfield decisions and when they're handing over and who they're moving out. But if we're assuming, which is very possible, that the roster looks very, very similar to what it does this year, coming back next year, it's absolutely third base. Plus, Chase is a free agent too, isn't he? He is. And then if, if Colton ends up moving on too, then you're probably going to have Weicho move to second base. Or at least even if Tarang is there, you're going to see some kind of, you need uh, another person who's a strong option in your rotation. And I'd really like to see Jace come back regardless. Um, Jace's glove has been great there. And I think his offense at times has been very good. It's been bad since he's come back from injury lately. And I, that has really hurt his, hurt his numbers. Um, but his glove was phenomenal there. And I, I do think that's something too. And, we kind of look at the overall picture. It's something we don't talk enough about with Rowdy, just how solid and reliable Rowdy has been at first and the advantages he gives you with his height. He's really good at just picking off even difficult balls. He can just, he can go and get anything. If you have a really strong third base defender, that would be great, but also they, they need more pop there. They need significantly more pop than they've got from Luis Arias this season. So say Wong's gone, Arias is penciled in as the, um, opening day second baseman. I think the the middle of the road, or not middle of the road, but the making enough changes to infuse this lineup with something a little more ex- exciting. <clears throat> the answer is upgrade at third base via some of your outfield prospects, obviously, and uh, probably not going to be Robert Gasser because there's not an- enough pitching depth, but just using some of a, what you've acquired, and then some of your depth there to make a meaningful upgrade at third base. And then it seemed like this year they have been training Bryce Terang for um, a, a utility role. He got um, 62 innings at second base, 66 innings at third base, 118 innings at center field, and 901 innings at shortstop. So obviously he's a, uh, That's very a, shortstop at, a shortstop at heart, but they've been playing around with getting him games at other spots um let me see if i'm reading this correctly no errors at second third or center field in that limited sample size uh so it seems like terang's a guy that can handle something like that who knows uh what his bat looks like as at a full season level i'm not saying he should be um an everyday third baseman because i think then you run into the same uh issues that you do with arias which is not enough power from a corner infield spot, which is a position that uh, you would expect to get more power from. It's a very offensive position across the league. Um, I think if you can find a meaningful upgrade there, uh, promote some of the younger outfielders, Garrett Mitchell, like we said, everyday center fielder, maybe you see Freelick, Weimer, or Ruiz in a role as well. Make that upgrade at third, fill it around the edges in the bullpen, get your starting rotation back healthy. I think 
that one big ad or even like a like just improvement and then all of these other things uh, like having exciting young players on the team i think doing something like that especially at third base could do a lot to inspire the fans to start caring again but my question is is whatever they do going to be the equivalent of signing late 30s andrew mccutcheon with uh, your budget that you claim to not have until you, you know, just found it within yourself to sign up. That's their life. Well, also, is that that money has been found now, so he can't claim to find that money again this year. That is now in the budget, yeah. so he can find another Andrew McCutcheon size hole in the budget, and then then we're talking. We're able to get something that's half real, like it, not, and maybe after two or three years of you finding twenty dollars and... sizes, yeah. Maybe you know, three, if, four if they, years, you find enough Andrew McCutcheon gaps in your budget, and then you can you can sign a real player. If in January, no disrespect to Andrew McCutcheon. Yeah, I mean, it's just it. I mean, time comes for us all, especially yeah. in baseball. It's it's he's seems like a great guy. Had some good moments, but overall, if the signing or the trade that they make this offseason provides you equivalent production, we're not in a good spot. Um, the biggest issue that you and I again talked about privately is well, who's available. It's probably not going to come on the, fr- the free agent market. Um, so who knows what's Brandon Drury's deal. I think he's a free agent. I wouldn't mind seeing Brandon yes, Drury is. at third base. Uh, uh, that'd be an interesting, probably acquisition, you know, maybe in January we're having a conversation about Carlos Correa has been convinced to move to third base full time. And uh, the Brewers just signed him to a 10 year deal. <laughs> Maybe that's the conversation. And he goes, sure. and he slugs that sounds 30, like 30, the answer. That sounds 35 like home runs with a 280 average, 360 OBP, and uh, like 500 slug. Maybe that's our reality. I'm glad we've got Optimist Andrew back. Uh, to wrap this up, um, we put a, put a question out via our, our text line. That's if you text GSPN to 31032, you'll occasionally get these these invitations to to weigh in, whether it's on all things brewers books or even packers um and the call went out looking for your picks as listeners to the brewers mvp um for the season and the brewers biggest disappointment for the season and thanks as you replied we got we got a few replies back so i'll i'll read through those and then we'll quickly weigh in with our our thoughts on it um so we got mvp burns disappointment freddie peralta we got uh, MVP Brandon Woodruff. His four straight 10K games helped keep us in the playoff race. Ready to let a close second. Great feeling, but needs to hit for average way better. Feast or famine with him at the plate. Only reason for number two. Biggest disappointment, I think, is Hunter Renfro, but it's a close tie with Kutch and Yelly. Renfro does not take the best path to the ball, often necessitating the need for the plus arm. And he is also woefully inadequate at the plate. Kutch and Yelly both were bad at the plate until recently, but they are not getting the job done. Um, another call for Big Woo as MVP. Most consistent starter all year. Biggest disappointment pitching overall. Hauser and Lauer regressed. I, I think I'd push back on Lauer having regressed. I, I think overall, Lauer gave the Brewers a very good season under tough circumstances and even with his availability one of the more available guys um even the home run issue that he was having settled down as the season went on where he was good for giving up home runs and wasn't giving up much else that kind of 
sorted itself out as the year progressed, I feel like. Yeah, I think his step back can be more attributed to the higher workload. Like he threw more innings than he's ever had to throw in his career. And and you have the that homer issue. I'm going to assume that's unsustainable. I don't think he's going to allow 27 home runs again next year. So I'm I'm uh, optimistic on Lauer uh, selling, still settling into that like mid three ZRA back half the rotation starter. I was I was happy with Lauer season. And he, and he finished very well after his uh, his frustrations and not being told anything about the Josh Hader trade. Uh, he really did finish out strong. Another one, uh, Willie Adamas for MVP. Yelich is the disappointment until he starts hitting like he's getting paid. And uh, lastly, someone says team MVP is big woo with all the injuries to starters. If Woodruff returns from the IL and is 20% less productive, the Brewers are 10 games out of a wild card. The biggest disappointment is Omar Narvaez. His progress as a defensive catcher since his signing has been great, but he hasn't been able to contribute with his bat in any meaningful way. Um, so let's let's go around go around the horn, as I believe they say on the ESPN show very quickly. And um Jordan, we'll go to you first. Your MVP for the Brewers this season and your your biggest disappointment. Um I'll do biggest disappointment. I think it might it has to be Omar for me. Just because he was they made or they when they got him traded for him, I think it was. Or signed him? Can't remember. Doesn't matter. Um the hope was you have a good hitting catcher that has defensive flaws that you have to you massage and develop and make him everyday catcher, especially after his money Grendel went to the White Sox. And last year, I mean he was one of the best players on the team by far. Um, Obviously injury played a factor into that. And the whole catching situation was just beyond the the Brewers reproach. Like they just had no handle on it based on Pedro Severino getting into his PD stuff. And then Omar being in and out of the lineup, being uh, available, unavailable. Um, So yeah, I think, I think Omar definitely, I mean, the fact that, he very well i think he was even part of like trade rumors too around the deadline too so yeah it it very well just could be okay well we're just gonna look for another catcher and we'll see where omar goes um mvp is tough i mean it's it's hard to argue against burns even with some of the issues that he had towards the end of the season but the fact that you're the strikeout king and you were so dependable and kept things going even amid all of the crazy changes and all that stuff. And obviously there's no shade to Woodruff or Rowdy and Willie being as powerful and threatening as they were to kind of keep the offense going at times, but like Burns is just ridiculous. And it's, I don't know. I I'd probably lean more towards Burns over Woodruff, but again, it's picking apples and oranges. I'll, uh, I'll weigh in. Uh, I, I agree with everything you said there, Jordan. Obviously, from the offensive perspective, the guys that really carried the bulk of the run production were Rowdy, Willie, uh, Hunter Renfro. Colton Wong had a really good season with the bat that I think is getting underlooked or overlooked is the right word, actually. Uh, overlooked. The Overlook Hotel. Um, overlooked because of just his defensive fall off. So he obviously had a great year. In terms of MVPs, uh, I think it's Burns and Woodruff just because of all of the issues that the Brewers had with their starting pitching, obviously Freddie Peralta 
getting hurt and only providing 78 innings this season is something that was really tough for their season. Hauser only throwing 102, Ashby 107. But when Woodruff returned and just became like that reliable workhorse that you, you could count on for six to eight innings every baseball game, and then Burns making every start going 202 innings. Like these are when we went uh, live with this podcast and gave a little promo reel to Blue, Blue Wire to say like what we thought about this team. Burns and Woodruff were what we said. The rest of the the pitching staff, not necessarily. Um, I do want to shout out Devin. He did have a really good season despite some issues here or there. I mean, finishes the year with 60 and two-thirds innings, 193 ERA, 201 FIP. So just excellent year. Um, in terms of disappointment, I'm going to do a trick question or answer this in a really asshole-ish way. It's the front office and ownership because of the the quote that mm. like what stern said is it's just for me obviously the best 50 game start in franchise history and then having the lead in the division at the deadline it's like you had a car on the tracks you were making or on the road not a, you know a mix in metaphors here you have a car on the road you're making great time and then for some reason you just decide to swerve into a tree it's like you didn't have to do that you didn't have to to just turn over the apple cart and upset the clubhouse and not communicate things in a meaningful way. You could have kept Josh Hader. You could have traded for Matt Bush anyway. You could have traded for Trevor Rosenthal anyway if that was what you wanted to do and without like causing the chaos that you did. And then maybe, maybe if you do that, you're in the playoffs. So I think ownership and the front office uh, not providing clear communication to the clubhouse and the fans is my biggest disappointment. And I say this as a person who has jumped into this journey with two feet. And this is like my first uh, season really just living and dying with this team. I love this team. I love these players. I'm excited to just follow this team until I'm in the dirt. But uh, for this season, uh, organizationally. Like a Christian Yelich. <laughs> yeah. Like a ball hit by Christian Yelich in the dirt, Andrew. Um I'm I got I'm going for my guy and I'm not just going because he's like I think Reddy Telez is the MVP of this team. Um the thing the thing with Woodruff for me is just I if Woodruff had obviously been healthy all season, he is the MVP and he may be the NL Cy Young winner. So I, I don't have any issues with that. Just for me, I can't quite call him MVP because he wasn't there for it. Burns is excellent and the workload is really, really valid. I think part of it for me is holding Corbin against his own impossibly high standards. And that was there even early in the season. And we saw a couple of spells where there were blips on that. And I'm not going to punish him too harshly for that. It's not like he's, Oh no, he's not the MVP. He's right there in the mix. But I, I think for me, just relative to what you can expect and what you get out of him, I go rowdy. And I, I do think for me, probably second is Devin Williams. Like Devin is someone that, we talk about that trade and everything that happened from it. He had his world turned upside down and like, it's not worth it's, it's worth not forgetting um, his media availability just after that trade where he looked as despondent as anyone could possibly be. That's certainly something that I don't think should go overlooked. Made the all-star game was 
genuinely the picture of consistency. Did he get dinged a couple of times? Yes, that is the life of a reliever, and particularly in high leverage situations. Did he frequently, like, did he take years off my life by loading bases and then getting out of them on multiple occasions? Yes, but uh, he really deserves uh, his share of credit for, in the same way that we talk about Woody and what Woody did and where the Brewers would be if it wasn't for him, where would the Brewers have been if Devin Williams wasn't as ridiculously good as he was this season? We're already talking about 16 blown saves. Um, <laughs> there would have been fewer opportunities to get saves even if Devin wasn't there and then some. So um, I'll go rowdy, but I do think Devin deserves his praise too. Lastly, lastly, um, I want, I want to say thank you to everyone for listening. This is our first full season's in the books. Uh, you have decided to get your Milwaukee Brewers talk from two guys with funny accents who had not been watching the team before this season. You've been very patient, very kind, very gracious with us on that journey, as I think we we have now evolved into just any old Brewers podcast where that was not the place we were to start the year. Uh, I've really, really enjoyed it. Thank you to Andrew for roping me into this exercise. Uh, neither of us thought we'd be here, but it's been a lot of fun. But genuinely, very, very heartfelt thanks to all of you for listening. We will be around throughout the offseason. We'll probably take a short break soon, but we will uh, we'll put our heads together and we'll spend the months between Brewers baseball coming back, trying to figure out ways that this team could be better and ways that this team could be better, that this team would actually be prepared to uh, put it into action. So, yeah, thanks to all of you for listening. Andrew, have you got anything on that? Yeah, uh, I agree. Thanks for for coming on this journey with us. I went into this season thinking I just wouldn't have a favorite baseball team for in, internal chaos reasons. Um, and now I do have a team <clears throat> that frustrates the hell out of me. But that's exactly why you do it. And uh, being frustrated about a season that ended way too early is what makes winning a playoff game or winning a World Series more meaningful. And also having a community of people to watch it with. So in the Discord or Twitter or wherever it may be, just having conversations about this team through the good times and bad has been great through 162 games. It's a long season. Um, we're gonna, yeah, gonna be talking about what we think should happen in the off season. We're gonna be reacting to what happens in the off season, and then we'll be back with, you know, following Rowdy Telez and Luis Arias on uh, Team Mexico in the World Baseball Classic, which I think has uh, been rumored that they should both have good chances to make the roster. Um, but we'll see how how that all shakes out. Um, was very happy to do it and happy to be part of the, the GSPN family in, in general i kind of forced my way onto the roster and you know now you're stuck with me shout out to the discord um in particular and our, and our listeners generally even as those texts there prove um we have the smartest listeners we've got really great listeners who engage in really measured and intelligent conversation with us all the time just like i was there reacting to craig council's you know posts <laughs> post uh, final game of the season comments so big shout out to everyone involved and if you want to be a part of that go to gspn.info you can get a discord you can find a community that you can talk brewers baseball with all throughout the off season as we all try to work our way through how things can be better of course if you're looking for other things to latch on to now that the brewer season is done book season is just about to be back the Eurostep podcast network main feed 
is home to the Eurostep with Ty Windish, Sharon Caddy, and winning six with myself and Jordan. And we will have all angles of all things books covered throughout the season. Um, recent episode, most recent episode up there is the winning six that Jordan and I recorded yesterday on the books upcoming two games in Abu Dhabi. You probably just have enough time to listen to it before the book's first preseason game in Abu Dhabi by the time this episode drops. So if you haven't already listened to please do go check it out. It's something we put quite a lot of thought and effort into. And uh, we we hope you give it a listen. Also, Talk of the Tundra, our Green Bay Packers podcast. Jordan is a, a regular fixture over there. Numak is holding the fourth down. The Packers in good position. Um. Have they convinced me or anyone else just yet that they're actually a really good team? I don't know about that, but they're doing what they need to do to get this season up and running and at least give us a few months of hope before they crush us. So for all things Packers, talk of the tundra. And lastly, make time for this. Um, GSPN's Pop Culture and Other Things podcast. Uh, episode going up today on Moon Age Daydream, the David Bowie film that is still in theaters and most places around the world. And mine and Andrew's favorite David Bowie songs. We've got lots more to come there, more movie talk, more TV talk. So all things pop culture, all things everything here on the Eurostep Podcast Network. Subscribe to our podcasts. We are on Twitter at Brewers ESPN. I'm at Adam E11, Andrew's at AC Snide. Jordan is at Jordan Tresky. Until next time, thanks again to all of you for listening. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, everyone.